Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and with me is our chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. Steve, how are you? I'm doing great. We in the southeast part of the state are being inundated with rain. Meanwhile, I drove to Ruidosa and had to go through Roswell over the weekend. I gave a speech in Ruidosa and then did a constitutional workshop for middle school and high school students. And on Saturday in Ruidosa, it is super dry in Roswell and then again, sort of wet up towards Ruidosa. It's the fall, probably the worst time of the year for the farmers to be getting rain. I've got a cotton crop that I see every day and it was starting to open up nice and pretty and now it's starting to look kind of bedraggled. The cotton is coming out of the husks. So you never get the rain exactly when you need it in New Mexico. No, that's always a challenge. But uh, we're seeing uh, a lot of challenges here politically. Tell us about it. Yeah. First of all, I want to draw our listeners' attention to World Magazine. And again, you can find it online, just World Mag, an article by Harvest Prude talking about young, black, and conservative. And it uh, highlights several young, black conservatives who are becoming uh, outspoken nationwide. Uh, of course, uh, one of the motivators is Candace Owens. She's associated with Prager University, and they're airing her stuff regularly. So they talk about Olivia Rondeau, who is a wrestler there in uh, high school in Maryland, and she became the first female wrestler to win gold at the AAU Junior Olympic Games. But then it talks about the tougher battles are when she decided that she was conservative. She did not grow up in a conservative household, began to just listen to Candace Owens and think, well, that describes how I feel. And so now she pushes her views out in social media and is coming under constant attack because people don't want anyone straying from who they're supposed to be. Forget who they are. But as a young black person, she's supposed to be completely ingratiated to the Democrat Party. And instead, she's saying no, that uh, she's for Trump and she's biracial. Her family was strong supporters of Obama, but by the time his eight years were up, they basically had become disillusioned and her parents voted for Trump. That kind of began her own journey. But uh, C.J. Pearson is another one. His story caught my eye. Young black student who came really into the public view at 11 years old, he uploaded a YouTube video posing a simple question to President Obama. He said, President Obama, do you really love America? It got more than 2 million views and catapulted him into kind of a stardom for a young black person at 11 years old. He was a strong supporter of Trump. And again, he was raised in a Democrat household, too. But he said as he continued his research, even as a preteen, that he just felt like he had to declare himself conservative. Uh, he gets a lot of enemies. And so we'll see where that goes. But, you know, Derek, that's probably the most distressing thing that's happening in America now is that you're targeted for your beliefs. This comes very close to persecution, what's going on. And so, again, I draw our listeners' attention to this World Magazine article. I think it's a superb right in there. Anyway, we have a tremendous program today. Uh, of course, you got the Ukraine we're talking about. You have the impeachment discussions going on. You've got uh, the whole Biden question, which I think is going to sink his candidacy no matter what happens in the rest of it. Trump uh, went to the United Nations, and what he spoke there I think is extremely important. So, Derek, uh, a little late getting into the show, but let's get after it. Okay, well, the left does seem to be going after the president regardless of the evidence that we're seeing 
seeing. Tell us about that. Well, it seems like that the Democrats in Congress have an impeachment in hand, and they just keep looking for facts that will support it. You recall that uh, they were going to impeach Trump from day one because he just spoke kind of off the cuff. He said things that were contentious, and he would push back against the press, and they were going to impeach him for that. But of course, those are not impeachable offenses. And then they came up with the Russia theory that somehow that Trump had colluded with the Russians. The truth is that Obama had knowledge about what the Russians were doing to sort of interfere with our election. He said, don't worry about it. There's not anything they can do anyway. But the Democrats persisted and said they were going to impeach Trump over that. And then the Mueller investigation took place, $40 million over two years. And he comes up with the idea there was no collusion and there was no obstruction of justice. So the Democrats then fell into this current situation where now then it is the Ukraine. Now, it's very curious exactly how this Ukraine situation came up. Supposedly, a whistleblower turned in information that on a phone call to the Ukrainian president to wish the new president Zelensky kind of just well wishes for his election and for the nation, somehow that uh, maybe Trump said that he was going to withhold aid if they did not investigate Joe Biden's son. Well, there are several really difficult things about this entire story. First of all, whistleblowers by law had to have firsthand knowledge. This whistleblower didn't. He admitted that he was not on the call. There were about 10 people on the call, and he was not one of them. That he had heard from somebody who had heard from somebody that maybe something had occurred. But when different lawyers around the country began to look at his whistleblower complaint, they said, this is not written by a whistleblower at all. This is a legal document that was prepared by a group of lawyers. Look at the footnotes. Look at the legal explanations. And so this is a document that's prepared by them. But then even more suspiciously, two days before this brief was filed, this whistleblower complaint was filed, someone in the intelligence community went in and changed the whistleblower regulations and changed it to where you didn't have to have firsthand knowledge. So every other president has lived with the idea that whistleblowers have to have firsthand knowledge. And now then somebody, and nobody knows exactly who made those changes. So you just have a lot of confusion happening around this entire area of impeachment. I believe that it's going to backfire on the Democrats once again, just like the Mueller report did, just like their early attempts to impeach the president. Nancy Pelosi is in a bind. She just barely did win as speaker, so she's kind of hanging on thin ice. And then her radical group of freshmen are insisting on impeachment. And so Nancy has to keep edging closer and closer to that, or she could very well lose her speakership. So we will see where she takes this, but I don't think that the American people are favoring impeachment, and I certainly don't think that this is an impeachable offense. So the squad is forcing the Democrat Party further and further to the left, which means that Trump is going to have more success in next year's 2020 election. Before we go to break, let me ask you, as chairman of the Republican Party, if the president really did something wrong and you saw proof of it, would you stand up and say the president did something wrong? Uh, sure. That's what got me into a lot of trouble when I was serving in the Congress. 
is that I continued to take on our leadership and would say that this bill is wrong. Many times the debt ceiling was extended. I generally opposed that. The big spending bills that we as Republicans were passing and in causing the deficit to increase. I oppose almost all of those, the continuing resolutions. And just this last week, I called a candidate out in a primary, the Republican primary in one of the races, and said that his uh, ads were not truthful and they caused disrespect not only to the candidate he was opposing, but to every other Republican who serves in the House of Representatives who are co-sponsors on that same legislation. So sure, we would speak the truth as I know it. That's my job. If you find what we're talking about interesting, stay tuned because we have more coming up on Inside New Mexico. National Guard and Reserve members are true leaders, both in the military and in the workplace. They are highly skilled and get the job done every day. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, ESGR, can help you recruit top-notch service members to your workforce. Hiring Guard and Reserve members is good for your business and good for your community. Visit esgr.mil slash employers to learn more. It's a great pleasure to me to be here. And uh, it's better to be on TV than by phone, I think. (laughs) I think you read everything. So I think you read text. I... uh, I'm sorry, but I don't want to be involved to democratic open elections of USA. No, you heard that we had, uh, I think, good uh, phone call. It was normal. We spoke about many things. And I, so, so I think, and you read it, that nobody pushed it. Pushed me. Yes. That quote that you just heard was the new president of the Ukraine, President Zelensky. And when he says that he didn't feel pressure, I think we can trust him on that. It's amazing because with all of this discussion on pressure from the president to investigate Joe Biden's son, you would think that the press would be interested in someone who says, yes, I did create pressure. That's exactly what Senator Biden, later to become vice president, he was a sitting vice president when his son got put into a position in the Ukrainian gas industry. Burisma is the largest natural gas producer in the Ukraine. And Joe Biden's son got put in as a director. In that position, he was paid somewhere between fifty dollars and $80,000 per month. Now, keep in mind, he knew nothing about the natural gas industry. He didn't know anything about regulatory affairs. But he did have one tremendous qualification, and that is his father was vice president of the United States. And so the Ukraine was in investigating corruption charges. That was one of the tenets of us supporting the change in power structure there is that you got to get rid of the corruption. So they got right into it. Vice President Biden showed up on the scene. He later made a video saying, yeah, I uh, told him that I was going to be around six hours longer. If you didn't fire the prosecutor, then I would uh, withhold $1 billion that was supposed to come to them in a loan guarantee. And so we've got that clip of Vice President President Biden actually saying that. So I want to play that for listeners now, if you would, Derek. I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko. They would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> Got fired. 
here you have the Democrats in Congress who are hell-bent on impeaching the president for something that the president of Ukraine said did not occur. The full transcript was released. It didn't show that undue pressure was raised. In fact, it was the president of the Ukraine who first raised the issue up about uh, we've got this investigation or we've got this thing that we probably ought to be looking at. So I'm not sure where Nancy Pelosi is headed, but I do know that they are playing with the future of the republic. People lose confidence in our entire system in these kinds of discussions. There used to be an idea called the loyal minority, and that means that whoever was in the minority in the House of Representatives or the Senate was still loyal to the country, and that seems to no longer be the case. So shame on those who are pushing false information. If it comes out, fine, let the system work. But myself, I sure don't see the guilt on President Trump's part, but I do see the guilt on Vice President Biden's part. It's looking like that former head of the intelligence agency, Brennan, is really at the center of all of this attempt. He looks like the player in the shadow state that is trying to get rid of Trump. It also looks like that investigators are closing in on him for doing things that were against the law. So many times the Democrats go on tremendous offensive when they see that they're at risk. President Trump spoke on the world stage at the United Nations. Tell us about that. As usual, he did not mince words, and he came right to the heart of the problem. Key points from his address on human rights coming straight from God, not from government. I thought that was significant. But even before he got into the United Nations per se, he had already said that we don't want words like uh, family planning. That's just code word for abortions. And so the president was really leaning on that very international stage with conservative ideas. He is proving that most people in this country support, and I believe, Derek, that people around the world support these conservative ideas, that our rights don't come from government, they come from God, that we should be protecting the unborn, that we obviously should protect religious freedom. The president has been very ardently in support of that at the United Nations. And so I just think that this president continues to confound his critics. They always expect that he's going to shy away from the next big speech, and he doesn't. In fact, he, in that speech where he's talking about the freedoms come from from God, not from government. He goes on to say that the United States is founded on the principle that our rights do not come from government, they come from God. This immortal truth is proclaimed in our Declaration of Independence and enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution's Bill of Rights. So Trump went on to note that 80% of the world's population live in countries where religious freedom is in danger or even outright banned, and he called for the world to end religious persecution and release prisoners held for professing their belief. Amazing, amazing coming from this president at this time in our history. Another surprise, we're seeing all kinds of changes out there. President Trump has garnered support from labor unions, which has always been a Democrat stronghold. Yeah, that article from the Chicago Tribune this past week really talked about that. And their quote was, as the UAW strike against GM drags on, President Donald Trump has plenty of 2020 supporters on key Michigan picket lines. And so they went around and interviewing people and Robert Sinkmajor, a 60-year-old wood model maker, he said, I think the guy's outrageous. He's a hot dog, but he's our hot dog, man. Trump is making stuff happen. And these blue-collar workers in the Rust Belt helped deliver 
deliver the presidency to Trump before, and he's still pulling heavy from that group. I think it's been a tragedy that Republicans just in the past have pretty well written off the blue collar union workers. They are almost always very conservative. They're the ones that work with their hands. They know the value of going to a job every day. They take responsibility for the families. And we just have sort of limited them because they are union members. And Trump does not do that, and much to his credit. Jesse Kelly, the GM recording secretary and communications chair for the UAW, Local 160, said if Biden were to win the nomination, he'd likely fall into the same establishment category as Clinton for many of the union members. He said uh, Sanders or Warren might have a better chance of bringing many of the union's Trump supporters back to the Democratic side because they've campaigned to upend the political structure in Washington. Another one of the people that were interviewed, John Gonzalez, 61-year-old HVAC maintenance worker at the GM Tech Center, said that uh, Trump's message of returning blue-collar workers to better days just struck a good chord with him. So it's never the philosophical arguments that win people's hearts. It is instead when candidates begin to speak to the heart of people, to the circumstances that they face every day, and just the idea that uh, better days are ahead for union workers. He doesn't have to say that. He's just out protecting jobs in America every day. I think that's the important thing he's doing with China. He did it with Europe. He's done it in the agreement with Mexico and Canada. If Pelosi would actually pass that bill, I think that uh, the president is still going to pull strongly from the Democrat Party. That's what it takes to win in this country. I think he's going to be changing the way politics works for a generation in this country. Absolutely would agree. We will be back with more of Inside New Mexico in a moment. I'm Derek Underhill talking with Steve Pierce, chairman of our Republican Party. Attention, New Mexico veterans. If you were honorably discharged from the U.S. Armed Forces, you've earned state and federal benefits, and the New Mexico Department of Veteran Services is standing by to assist you. State benefits include a veteran's property tax exemption, education and training, and transportation services. We can also assist with claims for federal VA benefits. The state of New Mexico and this radio station thank you for your service. More information at nmveterans.org or 1-866-433-8387. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. With the chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce, we see heavy caseloads. Judges' vacancies put New Mexico federal court underwater. Please tell us about that. It's an Albuquerque Journal article. I think that really did a great job of describing what's going on. We're drowning. That's in the words of Judge Martha Vasquez. She was describing the federal court system in New Mexico. There are more than 900 criminal cases for each of the four sitting district court judges. After Judith Herrera, she was a one of the district court judges. She took senior status in July. There are now three vacant positions, and so the judges are in panic mode. She describes it. Chief Judge William Johnson and I have been working with the White House routinely to get the judges appointed that would fill the need. Those, uh, unfortunately, appear to be blocked by one of our two U.S. senators. When I was still in office, we had agreed that we had about four names on the list. They were suitable to all of us. And so you had Judge Kevin Swayze of Las Cruces, 
who was designated to replace Judge Robert Brack. And then uh, also from over in the Roswell area, you had Key Riggs of Roswell, and she was going to be named to replace District Judge Christina Armijo, who took inactive senior status in February of 2018. And so all of those names were on a list of several that were handed to the White House. And now then, for some reason, they're being blocked. Meanwhile, our legal system in New Mexico, our judges are drowning in these criminal cases, and they very rarely get to hear the civil cases at all. So I think that we in New Mexico should understand that. And if you think that our judges should be confirmed, you're going to have to talk to your two U.S. senators because they're the ones who are holding them up. We've had a court-ordered injunction that halts any activity in New Mexico forests. Tell us about that. The judge about a week ago came down in response to a suit by an out-of-state group, the Wild Earth Guardians, and they had said that any activity in the forest is being harmful to the habitat for the spotted owl. And so the court came out and a judge just said, you're going to stop everything. And four major problems were going to result from that decision. Number one, it kills jobs that New Mexico desperately needs. Secondly, it puts our forests, and we all love our forests, but it puts them more at risk of being destroyed by fire, disease, or pest. The prohibition also stopped all the permits for gathering firewood. And and then the fourth thing was the habitat for the spotted owl. The assumption by the Wild Earth Guardians is that it's better not to log. We in New Mexico have a tremendous laboratory to study that exact question, is it better to log or not log? The Mescalero Indians have a forest that butts right up against the Lincoln National Forest. They're both about the same size, about a million acres. And the Mescalero Forest Department has been able to log in theirs. So you have a thinned area of forest right up against the Lincoln National Forest where the spotted owl was trying to be protected and no logging, no thinning had occurred. And so it was exactly what this judge says. We're not going to touch it. We're not going to take any wood out of the forest because the owls need them. What's happening is that the owls actually are moving across into the Mescalero area because they can forage there. The widely spaced trees allow them to launch off their nest site, move down, pick up rodents or small game of any kind and take it back up and they can then feed their offspring. So this idea that the spotted owl is somehow better off in an area that is not being logged, that we should leave it untouched, just flies in the face of this actual laboratory experiment out in the wild where the owls are voting with their wings to move across to the area that has been thinned. So since that original decision, then another court came out and said, oops, uh, we know that people on subsistence income, they depend on wood from the forest to heat their homes and uh, winter's coming on. It had caused more calls to my office than any other thing in the, this full year. I think that people should be calling both Senators Udall and Heinrich, but also their representatives, Lujan Holland and Torres Small, and they should be insisting that they check to see exactly what kind of effort the regional forester here in New Mexico actually put up in the lawsuit if they did not provide many countering arguments, if they did not talk about the habitat, if they did not talk about the jobs, if they did not talk about the firewood or the risk to our forest, then you can understand why a judge might have decided it. So my response when the judge came back and allowed firewood gathering is we still have 
75 percent of the problem out there, you still have the major problems of fire destroying our forest, of the jobs being lost in the habitat, a much worse habitat for the owl. Those are still a problem. So I called friends of mine in the administration uh, right into the Secretary of Agriculture's office. The USDA is in charge of our forests. And so we called into that agency and asked for three things. Number one, let's file an appeal as soon as possible. Second, review exactly how much that Cal Joyner pushed back in his response to the lawsuit. And then thirdly, let's see if the uh, secretary or some other high-ranking official will visit the state. And so we will see what occurs. But shame on the original lawsuit, the Wild Earth Guardians. Uh, they are really driven by an agenda to shut down jobs. And the result of their actions is going to see that our forests do burn or get destroyed by pests or, or disease. So shame on them. But but uh, also shame on the Forest Service for not putting up a better fight. We'll see going forward if we can get responses out of the Secretary's office. I specifically asked his chief of staff if the Secretary would visit or get someone else out here. So I think that we will get someone to come and take a look at it. That's what I think our representatives should be doing. So again, I would suggest that, that our listeners call into them and get them a little bit more active on this issue. Should our listeners call the Wild Earth Guardians as well? Sure, yeah. If you have a phone number for them, I'd be happy to put that on the program. They have an office in Santa Fe at 505-988-9126. That's the Wild Earth Guardians. All right. We'll uh, call up and express your opinions. So if we have folks listening to us that want to get more involved in the Republican Party of New Mexico, how would they do that? So to be involved, reach us at newmexico.gop. That's our web address on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just at New Mexico GOP. We've got uh, different podcasts that are available uh, depending on which apps that your mobile device uses. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Just download the app on your phone or tablet. Search for Inside New Mexico with Steve Pierce. Subscribe and you'll be notified every time a new episode of this program is available. But in the meantime, feel free to call our office, 505-298-3662, and become involved to help turn this state around. I'm telling people you do not have to like President Trump because I hear a lot of people say, well, I just don't like him. Uh, you don't have to like him to vote for his principles. It is the principles and values that this nation is just hungry for, uh, that we're trying to find our place in a very competitive world. Uh, we've been bleeding jobs for decades. Uh, President Trump has created jobs. He's lowered taxes. He's cut back regulations. Pay is going up for people on every spectrum, but the people at the bottom end of the pay spectrum are seeing the biggest increases. He's got unemployment, the lowest ever for black workers, for Hispanic workers. Women have fared better than any other group in this boom that we've got going on in our economy. And New Mexico's economy is especially strong because of the president's actions. And so this is the time. If we're going to turn New Mexico red, if we're going to have a hope for New Mexico, if we're going to keep New Mexico from falling into the plain socialist category, the failed status of the progressive Democrats who took over Detroit 50 years ago and have bankrupted that town. Every place that they take over, they have tremendous problems. You can look at San Francisco, you can look across the country at different Democratic strongholds and understand the difference between Democrats and Republicans. I've been talking with the chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. Steve, I will look forward to seeing you and our listeners right here next week on Inside New Mexico.